man sausage. What's your presence about? <laughs> yeah, I think that is his last name. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I uh, started recording, so that's good. Welcome back to another episode of Life Behind Beer, a podcast by Iron Horse Brewery. My name is Jared, and uh, guess what? We've been consistent two weeks in a row. Same group. What's that music that's playing? Is that part of the podcast? Yeah, it's. Uh, I just oh. put in the the pre pre roll. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to speed this thing along. We're at the fair to get to, Greg. Good call. Yeah, so that's Greg that it's was talking. It's a big deal. Yeah, hi. This is Greg. I'm Wes. What's up, Wes? There's Wes. He made it off the brew house platform. Thanks for somehow. Thanks for showing up. Um, so we have uh, we've got a a full house here. Uh, lots lots to talk about. And, and a full house of discussion. A full house of discussion. Yeah, yeah everybody actually vacated the premise because it's it's fair season. It's rodeo season yeah. in Ellensburg. Uh, People that don't have kids are rushing off to the fair. Is that strange? That's creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what that is. They're like, we don't have kids. Let's go find some. Yeah, let's go find some and just stare at them and hand them <laughs> cotton candy. Let's we'll see how that goes. Um, so today's today's beer. Oh, I can uh, tell you how that goes, Jared. Do you want to really want to know? Uh, let's not let's not <laughs> get might. into that. Uh, you, you can call the Pope later. Um, so we, uh, we're going to feature another, a local brewery uh, to, to Allensburg, um, Iron Horse Brewery. I don't hmm. know if you've heard of them. Yeah. So last year, last week we, we did high five heavy, you know, the, the beer that you made in your bathroom. Um, yeah, that's, that's right. We didn't dispel that myth yet. I don't think. No, it was bathroom, not bathtub. I think that was yeah. the key differentiation. Yeah, that's right. yeah. It was made in your bathtub, like yeah. gin. Who would do that? Uh, Wes, why don't you tell us what we got here? Uh, this is our in-law IPA. It's the third release in the Extended Family Series IPAs we're doing this year. And it is about as fresh as you would get it. I just pulled a bottle off the bottling line about an hour ago. So, Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, one of the things that um, that was interesting about this is we when we hit it started with the target, like oh let's make a you know a good double IPA or an imperial IPA whatever that means, which Wes can maybe explain why, why something is called imperial versus a double. But uh, originally we we're thinking you know nine percent. Then we had the batch come back. I'm like oh wait, we are ten and a half percent or just under that wow. ten point three percent. So. Um, so why? What what happened? Uh, well, we actually, I think the gravity might have been it was pretty much on target. But one of the things we did with the beer was add an enzyme that breaks down complex sugars into sugars that are easier for yeast to ferment, and so the yeast ended up fermenting more in a shorter amount of time than we, I think, originally planned on. So this was in addition to the enzymes that are native to the malt. What was the addition? Uh, it's basically the same kinds of enzymes, just more of them. Oh, okay. But I think there was a specific brand we called. I think it's diazine. Oh, okay. So it might be similar to what the big brewers do in using six-row barley because it's greater diastatic power the ability to break down starches into sugar God, greg dropping all sorts of verbiage and knowledge yeah boy good work buddy <laughs> true Not, but we don't have to deal with the issues of like higher protein content and, and stuff like that and, and shame we don't, have to deal, <laughs> we don't have to deal with shame well there's nothing inherently shameful about six row barley but, oh no uh, i just mean being the big boys well, there's something inherently shameful about adding so many adjuncts in the interest of mm. removing as much flavor as possible yeah. and then needing six row to be able to 
create that conversion. Yeah. Uh, when you first handed me this beer, maybe it was just the talk about the freshness, but when uh, it was just sitting in my lap and I could smell it, mm-hmm. it was uh, wafting up to my nose. And I'm, you know, a little over six foot, so that's not a small distance. Just want to put got, that out there. You've got a huge nose, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's massive. <laughs> yeah, and my nostril capacity right now, I'm putting it at 85% yeah. on the left and... Yeah. 93 on the right. So, like, I got... You're right, Jared. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you and Cyrano de Bergiac, right? Like, do you know who that is? Not a clue. <laughs> Fantastic. I wouldn't even have known that was a name if you hadn't yeah, told me. I know. <laughs> uh, I'll have you look it up. It's, uh, it's great. Uh, huge nose. Oh, I thought he also ranked his current uh, ability to smell through his no, nose in no. percentages, too. Known for having oh, quite, yeah. quite, a, quite a large nose. Uh, so all yeah. percentages are not created equal. I mean, if your nostrils are that much bigger and you're at 92%, that's yeah. massive yeah. air intake capacity. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, highly aromatic. Um, lots of I'm getting picking up a lot of uh, caramel type of um, flavor going through it, and the bitterness. Not I mean, it's not overwhelmingly bitter, which you know sometimes you think so with imperial IPAs that it's going to yeah. destroy your tongue. And uh, you'll probably notice that it's relatively light, mm-hmm. uh, light-bodied as far as how Imperial IPAs go. A lot of the times, to boost that alcohol content in traditional uh, Dublin Imperial IPAs, brewers will just add more malt, which does get you more fermentable sugars, but it also gets you more unfermentable sugars, and you end up with a beer that's relatively sweet, even if it is mm. also really bitter. But due to that enzyme we used... Uh, we were able to stick with pretty lighter malts and uh, really end with a low uh, residual sugar content. So it's a relatively light-bodied, drier kind of IPA. I like that approach. Uh, what was? Do you have the, uh, the final gravity and apparent attenuation at your fingertips, or? Nerd. Final gravity was <laughs> apparent attenuation is exciting. I don't anybody that doesn't like that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that, but I know that I think the final gravity was 1008, and it started at oh, wow. like 1088 or something like that. Oh, so. yeah. That's dry. 08 is like, I mean, very few beers that you would go pick off the shelf are that dry. Mm-hmm. You know, what would you say, average finishing gravity, 1012 maybe? Yeah, around there. Yeah. I can say for a lot of our beers, it's in that range. Yeah. 12 to 15. Yeah. That's great. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's weight compared to water. Uh, water, yeah. Right, yeah. Specific gravity, right? Yeah. Yeah, technically density, but yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Density, weight. Density. That's Ma- all the same. Mass, relative mass. God damn it. Son of a bitch. I'm a little rusty here. Thanks. Thanks for so delicately correcting me, Wes. I appreciate <laughs> that. Well, this is, you know, I, I enjoy this beer. I think it's great. And I think the timing of the, the season uh, is perfect coming into the fall, you know, fall months and in-law IPA. Yeah. It's going to it's in stores it's, on a, on its way. And it's to get there. it's warming, yeah. Like you said, slightly yeah. cooler temperatures, slightly warmer beer because of 10.5% alcohol. That's almost like a, a disclaimer right there or like a caution. Yeah. 10.5%. Slow your roll. If you're going to get a, you know, pick up a bomber, uh, plan to share it or, you know, be at home and hang out and Take off your pants and watch watch, <laughs> watch something on Netflix. Or we something. probably didn't even raise the price on this. No, we didn't. Uh, well, so much for making money, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you're you welcome, get, everybody. You get good beer and get yeah. devastated if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, 
So that that's out. It replaces our crazy aunt, um, and it's Safeways and a few few places around uh, Washington and Oregon. I had a customer ask me the other day. I can't find insert whatever beer. I think it was Life Behind Bars, and um, I don't think she tried the beer finder. Hmm. So I was just going to give the beer finder a shout out. There's a space on our website you can find. Yeah, you can plug in your location and your select a type of beer and where you want to drink it and what yeah what time of location what type of uh, pre- uh occasion you want to be right yeah grocery store or whatever it's pretty good it's not it's not ours i mean we just link to it and it has populates our, our data on it but it's uh, powered by vip yeah which is quite nice and which we're looking for them to sponsor the podcast yeah. so thanks vip, VIP. hope you're this will be your last shout out unless we get a few bucks yeah <laughs> Twenty-five thousand. Uh, okay, so uh, on the docket today, we got a few different things to talk about. Brewers Association, their uh, latest marketing campaign, Brew Dog, uh, some of their stuff that they've been they're doing and how they had approached the, the, the marketing. Uh, what does selling out look like? Uh, are there levels and uh, lowering craft prices? And and just something to think about. I don't know if you guys saw the question, but uh, when beer tech doesn't get talked about a lot, so I figured that would be a good way to kind of end the end the podcast. Yeah, talking about what. Glad we're you doing. brought that in. So, uh, so did anybody have a chance to take a look at it? The the context is for the next four months, Brewers Association is really going to push a campaign around supporting indie beer and the statements around that. And we, um, we, uh, we are independents pushing their label, making sure that customers and retailers are also emphasizing that craft beer has that independent label and, and qualifying on that. Most of I'm just wondering how we get one of those neons. Those are <laughs> yeah, I did sweet. see that, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the, the, what was the phrase that says, that's independence you're tasting? Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, you know, the, the, the data that's in my head right now is the, the successors to the millennials is the up and coming generation Z or centennials. I've heard them called. Um, I forget what their their three driving factors are. You know, and not that this is guaranteed truth, anyways. But I don't think independence was really one of them. And they're also moving to beer more slowly than right than any other demographic. So I have a little bit of concern that you know is it is it uh, are we are we already preaching to the choir? You know, the millennials are in, um, the centennials are on the fence. And there's a few things. It was like, it wasn't that there, I think there was cynicism was centennials. Like they, they, you're not trusted until you prove it. Right. Kind of approach. And, and I think there's an opportunity to send that message with independence. You know, there's, we keep each other honest because there's so many of us, like if you're not honest, you're going to be flushed out. Right. But the way that it's been presented is more like, you know, this, this rugged independence that I think is largely in the millennial field. Yeah, I, I think you're right. To me, it just re, uh, reinforces the audience that, that already gets it. Yeah. Maybe it'll maybe it'll reach a little bit. Uh, obviously, supporting the, the concept and the belief that independence does matter. And, you know, the 6,500 plus craft brewers out there that are going at it on their own and, you know, giving it a show. I think it's really important. I, I don't know, to your point, I don't know if it's going to grow a consumer base, right? Yeah. Or an awareness in, um, but uh, you know, it, I, I think it's good that we start somewhere and it's nice to see some activity around it because the, sure. the indie, the independence brand matters. To, yeah. You know, so Wes, any thoughts? Do you want to, do you want to not have it say, say indie? I know you're a rogue. <laughs> um, 
No, I like the independent steel. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's some level of people using it as a, it's not a good product and maybe misunderstanding what this, everything the seal entails, whether it's just this beer is good because it has the independent seal on it versus this beer doesn't taste good because it doesn't. And I think that's, there's, there are a chunk of people out there that think that, and that's such a simplified meaning of what is all wrapped up in the independent seal. I think there's a lot of consumer education to still be done of what are all the important aspects of that independence, not just, oh, it's going to taste good because it has that seal or it's going to taste bad because it doesn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I think there's, I mean, there's some truth to that. So, uh, brewersassociation.org, uh, there's, uh, introducing that's independence or tasting. That's the kind of the headline. There's a couple of videos that they posted. Again, I, I, it's a, it's an important message, one that we at, at Iron Horse have been championing for a while. So it's a, it's it's good to see it uh, roll out on a national level, continue to roll out on a national level, and not not relenting. So I think let's go check out those videos if you if you want to, listeners. Yeah, I like it. Sweet. And the, just the one uh, for some reason, the images, the dude rubbing the pepper is the one that really stuck with me for whatever reason. But <laughs> <laughs> that's. Uh, that probably speaks more about you, Greg, than, than anything else. <laughs> was it, was it a red pepper? Does that make a difference? Yeah, I think so. That's oh, perfect. Man. So good. Uh, so BrewDog, I, I don't know if you uh, if you saw what they have done, but so they are rolling out a whole bunch of different things, but one of them is the, a new stream, streaming TV service that uh, will play reruns of their, their show that ran on, I think it was Esquire TV. Uh, the brood, the who can keep track as many channels <laughs> I, as there I know, are there's, anymore. There's four billion, uh, so and growing. So they're one. They created a, a digital subscription service, five bucks a month or whatever to to watch these twenty programs, and plus it'll grow. That's their intention. But how they went about promoting it, I don't know if you have followed or what they did. Uh, they created um, what was it beer dot porn, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, and they they've since taken it down. They, there was enough criticism, I think, by, by people. Really? Yeah. Oh man, come on. So, so you know, vulgarity is is one of those things that's cheap. It's easy. Uh, but I also love that they are all consistently true to themselves. <laughs> they have never, ever, ever relented. Yeah. Not not on not on anything from the time when I first learned about them. I think back when it kind of really first came on with Iron Horse. Yeah, when PETA was bitching and moaning because yeah. they were putting <laughs> yeah, stoats right. or little chipmunks over their yeah. bottles. They were like, whatever. They were right. already dead. Right. Get over it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. Or putting anabolic steroids in their, <laughs> in their beer, right? I mean. They so, did that? That's... Yeah. Yeah. It was for the Olympics when they were over in, uh, in was it in London or was it in Russia? The Sochi? I don't know. Whatever it was. So they're they're not afraid and they yeah. and they don't care they're unabashed about it and however I can I can appreciate the criticism and I also I tend to favor intelligent humor that takes that takes an obvious joke and elevates it in a way you can't see it so you know fair or not I don't know uh, we we try to not do that uh, with our branding right to go just with an easy joke of like oh this is a you know male yeah. ejaculate because. <laughs> well, we might laugh, right? Yeah. Probably not the most elevated way to communicate a, a brand story. But it works for them, and it's, it's who they are. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, when I read the article, a couple things came to mind. One, who's going to pay fifty bucks a month or a year for this? <laughs> yeah. uh, nothing against BrewDog, I'm sure. Like, but there's just so much free stuff that I think, uh, you know, maybe you, could you get a subscription if you take a picture of yourself with a couple of six packs of their beer or something? I mean, I think they might have to diversify that model, right? Um, and then. Yeah, I saw in there the you know someone referring to their t- act, uh, antics as sophomoric, right? And you know my first thought is uh, like because I'm a contrarian is what's wrong with that? I love sophomoric. Uh, right. I've Don't... probably been accused of that plenty of times myself. Yeah, you, it, it's confirmation bias. Right? <laughs> yeah, but I, you know I think that's the. That's the whole nature of the market. So if you don't like it, don't buy it. Right? Yeah. Don't support it. And that's as, it's as simple as that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's good to you can. Um, I'm, I'm lamenting the fact that people have to be so high minded. They can't laugh that all of their videos got a 69 <laughs> <laughs> rating. Right. Thumbs up rating. Right. How is that not funny? Uh, like, I know. What person? Uh, please send me a message. Tell me why that's not at least marginally funny. You can email podcast at ironhorsebrewery.com <laughs> yeah. to tell I, Greg why that's not funny. Please do. Like, yeah. if I, I am an idiot. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it and explain to me why there's, there's just inherently something bad and not funny about that right i don't know it seems like pretty innocent fun to me but yeah i i think the biggest thing is that there were there were probably a few instances where if they would have inverted the story the but they again they were following just like you know supposedly there's porn out there and they were following those kind of headlines <laughs> yeah i I've, I've heard this i don't know is there does <laughs> yeah. porn exist is that a thing what is porn not much less in this country than others i think yeah that, that's yeah. right not here because we are puritans yeah. through and through uh, yeah, but to your other point, <clears throat> is it going to last? Right? Is is this streaming service really a viable thing? Is there is there a demand for people that like, I just really want to learn more about uh, beer, so I want to watch it twenty four seven or twenty three seven? I don't know. I think to Greg's point, we're that uh, they're going to have to kind of diversify because right now it seems like a lot of the things that are on their streaming service are just rebrands of old shows they had like the brew dogs show they had an ed the esquire network right they're they're throwing that on their new streaming service and they have one called four sheets based off a show that was called three sheets and it's just <laughs> totally different format it's totally different <laughs> yeah, so right. we added a uh, another sheet yeah to this whole oh, thing. i see what you did there yeah <laughs> so i think if it's going to succeed they're gonna have to figure out some more original completely original brand new content yeah it's yeah actually engaging but kudos to them for just like you know what fuck it let's do it let's yeah because you and know let's partner up and make if there's it. any brewery that's done a bunch of random stuff and <laughs> done pretty guys. well at this yeah it's them i mean they have a hotel uh no kidding they do a bunch of random kind yeah. of stuff they have the whole kind of crowdfunding-esque uh stakes in the company and all that so they've done a lot of interesting things yeah, it, you know, it makes me think of uh, kind of the different paths for breweries in a way. You know, obviously they make beer and they make interesting beer, and I'm I, I don't know that I've ever had any, but I'm sure it's good beer. Um, yeah, I don't think I have either. But that doesn't seem to be, you know, marketing and publicity seem to be more of a focus. And I'm not saying that to the detriment. Uh, I'm sure they put plenty on the beer, but then you've got other companies that you know they're just just beer. They don't they don't approach it any other way and. And I guess therein lies the challenge with being a publicity forward. You, you have to keep pushing the envelope and doing right. things to get that attention. And 
And yeah, I don't feel like we're too, too many degrees off of their model. No, no. They, in, in a lot of ways, they, uh, I, I remember having this conversation, I think with you, Greg, way back when I'm like, I feel like these are our British doppelganger way back when, yeah. right? Like their branding was very rough and, and, uh, and they, but really unabashed about who they were and just, they did not give a shit. And I think we don't. But we also are mindful. We want to be mindful, <laughs> good, responsible corporate citizens. Yeah, it looks like well. that was a big mistake because <laughs> yeah, they've God been way more successful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what caution will, do, will teach us, guys. Yeah. You know. Dang it. This is for Natalia, my wife, who told <laughs> yeah. us of all the bad ideas that were actually good ones. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if it, if it lasts, if it's something uh, that works. Hey, my wife's calling. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of wives, um, I think, and to your point, you know, uh, oh, it's sophomoric, whatever. And if you like it, don't. If you do, do. Uh, clearly, there's a, a segment of people that that are Cretans like me, and they're like, yeah, that's funny every time, right? And that's their, you know, their target market, and they're going to speak to them. And if it bothers other people, then oh well, and right? I, and they won't, right? They just won't go to it. They won't support yeah. it. And then so they'll, and they'll speak out. Great, you know. Uh, kudos to them for having the guts and the gumption to do it. And way to go! Yeah, I'll keep laughing at it. Uh, okay. Um, th- this next one, I think, will everyone will resonate well with. Um, levels of selling out. So there's an article, not from Brewbound. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Probably started there, Jared. You just yeah. tried to find a second. Yeah, I, I, I did, actually. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, it's all the same stuff. Good job, guys. Uh, from the full pint, levels of selling out if you're a craft brewer. So uh, this author posits uh, Dan from Dan's blog. We don't know Dan's last name. Uh, it's blog. Yeah, blog. Uh, kind of posits the, the, the idea there's a, a escalating level of um, awfulness by selling out. So I'm just going to quickly read them and then we can discuss if we agree or not agree. So ordered from worst to least worst. So selling out to AB uh, and the rationale is AB is a megacorp that eats babies, ruins good beer and stomps out the little guys. Brewers who sell out to AB are the worst sellouts of all. Selling out to Miller Coors. Uh, rationale, you are nothing but a sellout if you sell out to Miller Coors. However, it's not quite as bad as selling out to ABI. So it's just like, yeah, it's slightly less bad. Yeah. Uh, selling out to Heineken, uh, if you sell your brewery to Heineken, then you're going to skunk your beer and th- things that will never be the same. I mean, I've always loved Lagunitas, who could argue with more resources, their quality went up. Still not as bad as selling out to the other two, but still a se- sellout I'm not supporting. Then selling out to Constellation Brands. Uh, you sold to Constellation Brands, you, my friend, are a sellout. I'll most likely not drink another drop, but I bought my first container of malt extract at Home Brew Mart and Funky Bacon maple bacon coffee porter is life-changing it's not like they sold out to abi or miller coors that's a bit of a rant uh, <laughs> yeah. like, i don't even understand what, what happened selling out to mahawo san miguel i've never heard of this company have you yeah it's a uh, spanish company yeah i've heard of right. san miguel I think. san miguel yeah um yeah i know they aren't technically craft anymore but damn the kbs is so good and it's not like they're wholly owned by heineken so they're re- referring to uh uh founders, founders. um selling out to can oh. Canarchy, Oscar Blues was on top of the, on top of that. Fireman Capital will sell this off to Big Beer, but maybe they just keep it as a, as a beer company. Either way, they're still they are still craft beer, and I still love what they are brewing. So that's one rationale. The alternate. So it's rat. interesting, yeah. But he did put it as worst to least worst. So yeah, in his mind, these are all negative. But he just said something positive. Right. Hey Dan, get some consistency for God's <laughs> <I know>. sake. <laughs> just really, 
you know, straight uh, on your freaking title. Yeah, just stay with it, right? Yeah. These brewers are being bought by Kaneki, are completely selling out. They are willing to be will. They will be sold the big beer in no time. That's kind of the the posit. Hmm. Uh, and then the next is selling out to any other private equity firm that's not named Canarchy. Uh, and then selling out to Duvel Mortgat. Mort, Mort, <laughs> yeah. Mortgat. I don't know. Mortgat. I'll go with that. Yeah, okay. Uh, Parabola was so much better bef- before Firestone sold out to Duvel. I remember when I was the only one in the world who knew about that beer. Yeah, that, uh, if you're the only person buying it, uh, <laughs> that's really a good use case for not selling out. <laughs> this is where I wish Tyson was here so he could... Uh, totally lambaste Dan for his ridiculous uh, sense of self-worth and um, assertions. Yeah. yeah, like my, uh, I know what it tasted like and I can remember precisely what it tasted like <laughs> yeah. one year ago. I mean, that's anyways, but Tyson's not here, so we're just going to keep it on the more positive side, I guess. Yeah, that's it. See, Tyson? I, I'm throwing you shade when you're not here. Come on in. <laughs> yeah. So, do you guys, do you agree? Do you agree with this list, like, that there is a hierarchy? Or well, I don't want to answer your question. What I want to do is uh, okay, interesting. say that I was surprised <laughs> that that's how he broke it out, you know, uh, in terms of very specific acquirers, rather right. than, you know, big beer, private equity, right? Uh, medium beer, or, you know, what if we bought uh, Roslyn Brewing, right? Know, that's a form of a sellout. But what is it? So the, you know, there's different types. It seems strange to be specific, right? And, and for me, the one of the big things is, you know, to me, there's just the big guys, the yeah, three, right? And then everyone else, and that everyone else is probably a strategic play for for both entities. And there's probably a little bit more to it. As we talked about last week, you know, Lagunitas, they still highly represent independent they still have their independence and i think heineken affords them that i don't know about what their business practices are like and how they're affecting the market which it really becomes the other side of the coin right mm-hmm. it's one thing for the acquisition but how do they influencing buying up malts buying up you know all sorts of things that way that's dane dane's make no you can't see this but dane just made a, a gesturing <laughs> he made a, a gesture that would be commensurate with brew dogs marketing <laughs> yeah that's right he did <laughs> But there he's too go. good to join the podcast, so that's right. Well, he'll be on. He'll throw, be on in a couple. Throw weeks. him some shade next, All right? <laughs> Wes, what are you thinking about it? Um, wait, what do you think about the article or about Dane? No, uh, forget about Dane. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm already depressed by his uh, presence. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's an. It is kind of arbitrary sometimes, but at the same, on the same token, you can say make the argument at least that if the one company has worse business business practices than another one then maybe it's worse to sell out to them because of the way they conduct business in the marketplace yeah so i could see that side of the argument and it'd be nice if dan actually had some better examples and things like that sure or, yeah all of us yeah so, some some maybe data-driven examples yeah yeah, so, so we didn't come into this with an idea of ranking Dan's blog, but here's my ranking: incomplete Dan. Get back yeah. to the back to the drawing board and yeah. <laughs> complete this thing, for God's right. sake. You know, good for a conversation, but uh, it's it, there's not enough information to um, to really say. Other than for me personally, you know, selling out it's a it's a mar- free market. We're able to do, you know any company's able to do that. Like I said, Greg, you're here now. I I said five billion at one point. Uh, do you think we're as close to that number would be a 
a, just a complete buyout from. Uh, I'd sell my shares for fifteen thousand today. <laughs> okay, excellent. I'm tired. I'm so I'm so tired. I just <laughs> sleep. Oh, that was that in-law IPA. I just yeah yeah. yeah I can't day drink. Yeah, then you're out. Um, we can go to a, let's go to a trillion. Make it at one trillion. That's fair. That's right. about the gross domestic product of New Jersey, I think. Right. So seems seems smart. Or or ten bucks in a in a six pack of Bud Light Orange. <laughs> Bud Light uh, Arita penis flavor. <laughs> right, the penis flavor. Well, I think the, the this conversation is going to continue because this is going to continue in the marketplace. Yeah. You know, uh, I think. It's going to get interesting. I think we're going to start seeing some exits from the what we could call the mom and pops who have been doing it for six, eight years, and and they're not, you know, they found a job, but it's an all-consuming and, you know, passion can only drive you so long. The quality of life becomes a factor, and I think there are some small players out there. We're going to see exits, and we're going to see, you know, the maturing of the regionals and see some exits, and it's... It's wild. I just can't even imagine what those next ten years are going to look like. It's all. I mean, it's only natural too. I mean, that's the that's what's the ebb and flow of business of of products of everything, right? So oh yeah. I think we you know find ways to champion it, uh, embrace it. Yeah, there was something like back when in the 1930s there were 45 car manufacturers or something like that. You know, you just kind of take for granted. Oh, there's three car manufacturers. That's how it's always been, and right. that's not how it's always been. Right. No. It was consolidation and. Every market goes through these cycles, and craft beer, I don't think, is any different. No. And, boy, with 6,000 brewers, it's yeah. hard to imagine we're not at possibly an inflection point. Right. Well, speaking of, this is relatively uh, connected. Or is it connected, I wonder? Uh, the Founders <laughs> yep. Brewing, lowering <laughs> your price uh, overall. So, Founders, the article from Forbes, craft breweries defy convention by beginning to drop prices. And founders being uh, being the kind of the, the sample case here, they they lowered their their logger to try to get a little more in line with the you know the big guys there and their stuff. And it wasn't like a price slashing though. It's seven ninety nine no. suggested right. price to consumer. I mean that's in right. there, right? So uh, is that you know is that good for craft? Is it bad for craft? Is it indifferent? Is it just We'll see what the market does. I think this article posits that it's so far been pretty good for founders. Mm-hmm. You know, sales are pretty decent. Um, I I think going back to the the big objective until we are, and they, and they say it in there too, until we are fifty percent share, until we are growing it, finding ways to connect with consumers, and we know that a ton are price conscious. So if there's if there's money to be made. You know, we don't want to like, give away the farm. So they're like, great, more people are drinking our beer, but we're going to be out of business next week. That doesn't, <laughs> yeah. make, that doesn't make sense. But I don't know that I – it seems to make sense. I don't know, thoughts? I think you still have to – if you're going to do that, you still have to make a good product. And on top of that, you have to market it as a good quality product because the kind of two different strategies I've seen with a lot of breweries uh, kind of making more – easy drinking approachable maybe what you could call gateway beers into craft beer uh for some consumers uh on that that end of the price range is some breweries have still marketed them as craft quality good beers that are also 
more approachable than maybe a crazy super bitter IPA. But there's other breweries that have marketed them as just easy drinking beer, like very basic kind of things. Um, and I think the danger therein is shaping the consumer perspective of beer that's more just a commodity. And then I think there's at least some segment, especially of those price conscious consumers, that are going to go, well, if it's just an easy drinking beer for seven ninety nine or whatever, and I can go buy twice as many for six ninety nine, why would I go for the more expensive one where I get less? Yeah. So I think it's not that brewers should avoid uh, that segment of the market, but just be careful in how they still produce those beers and also how they market those beers on the shelves. I don't know why it wasn't until this moment that I had this epiphany, but you, as you pointed out, this probably looks exactly like the consolidation that happened that pre, uh, precluded A.B. Miller and Coors from dominating the market. It was like a race to the bottom of flavor and price. Right. And then you have consolidation, and then you had what we had. So in 150 years, there will be a new craft it's going to yeah it's going to start all over it'll be a race to the bottom right and then, so i think you make a great point you know what what is the what's your distinction you know if it just wow this tastes just like pbr but two dollars more expensive you got a problem there because at some point the consumer is going to go you know right do i really care about the regional brewer that much that i'm going to consistently spend two more dollars for something that's essentially undifferentiated uh, probably uh, not uh, a uh pr- this is probably it it's not an accurate comparison, but I'm going to make it anyway. Uh, we have a, we have a delicious taco truck. We'll that, beat it apart. Beat <laughs> yeah, it up. Perfect. I can spend a, a dollar twenty five on a delicious taco. Yeah, right? there it's, it's handcrafted. It's made mom and pop. Whatever. Yeah, delicious. I can also go to Taco Bell. Enjoyable, not as delicious, but mm-hmm. it's also a dollar. You know, a dollar twenty five or dollar fifty for that that same taco. So I think there's an argument made to to Wes's point is it's got to maintain quality. It's got to be. Gotta have and special. it's got to be di- differentiated. If it is just like, oh, great, we made another water, water flavored. Fuck, Jerry, this is beer. depressing. You, basically, what you just said is we have to make all our beers, but make them for the same price <laughs> no. as Budweiser. There's no way we could do that. No, we can't do it. Yeah, and that's that's obviously the argument. It's like we're smaller production. We're 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 still we're still incredibly tiny. You know, yeah. Iron Horse, incredibly. Um, so uh, the scale scale is where you get your, your yeah. ability to to do that. And because who did that? Founders. Founders, right? Yeah, and they're producing oh. what quarter million barrels a year yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's about right. So. One company I'll say I think it's done a really good job in this segment of the market is Full Sail with their session line of beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they've really, I think, done a great job of still having engaging marketing and also uh, a wide variety of different flavors in those beers, but still trying to kind of attack that lower end of at least the craft price segment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's right. Yeah, I think from the optics have been successful. I don't know that. I mean, I don't know that they've been able to grow their market share. Right. Um, and really, the session lager, great beer. I, I wouldn't know what exact style it is, but it's not. I think a big part of the point of differentiation is the bottle. Yeah, and they're cool, and mm-hmm. I'll grant them that. And I'll, I've drank my fair share of session lagers, but um, yeah, it's so it's it's. They've remained true to the category, um, but it, can it be a successful strategy 
is that that it still remains bit. to be seen and i yeah. think there's some yeah. data that probably might might point otherwise you know i, I don't know and i'm certainly in, in no way advocating that we just we got to make you know 499 six packs and that's just the way it's got to be we just i think we Hopefully know not, otherwise we're screwed <laughs> yeah yeah guess what we're also going to reduce 42 million barrels and then we'll be we'll be better uh no i but i we do know that people tend to be price conscious and when they're going to choose to buy and buy and buy so finding ways not all packages but maybe some can address a certain segment that people are looking for so i would say this actually ties even back into our first topic of the independent seal and say you are selling your beer for a few dollars more uh doing a good job of consumer education and saying this is why you want to spend a few more dollars and buy this six pack over this six pack Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you're, you can look your neighbor in the face because your neighbor is also working at the brewery, and yeah. And then your cousin also, you know. So I mean, that it, that deep connection with independence it makes a good good case for it too. No, I've argued that for a long time. You know, that the small producers are are more humane and better for the world because I do. I'm sitting down at a podcast with Wes and Jared, and you know, I got to wake up in the morning and do that every day. Right, day in, day in, out, day in, day out, day in, over day out. and God, well, you, know, just, Damn it. you know. So I, I can't, I can't hide behind well shareholder value or you know a board of directors or any of that other shit. It's like, hey man, if I'm if I'm a dick, you guys are gonna call me to it, and if I'm a bad community member, the community is gonna call me to it, and right. and I got nothing to hide behind. I wish I remembered the name of this company, but this is a, a it's a company that they only make suits, and they their their goal, their 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 belief is that we can make great suits in the United States for customers, but people have to be willing to yeah. pay 30% more, right? And mm-hmm. it's not because we necessarily want to charge that more, but we have those real costs when, yeah. when you're making it. And and I don't know if they're still in business, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they might be. I should, I should look it up. I should have done that research beforehand, but, uh, but I think that makes the point that we have to be willing as consumers mm-hmm. to go, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be careful with my money and where I spend it it really matters where it goes right sure so well, I don't know why I'm going to tie this in but I always have to talk about mountain biking you know so one of the effects of just saying it doesn't matter is now if you want the best bike you will buy a frame from Taiwan because they have all the technology they've made all the investments they have the best welders and fabricators so to actually and it started with let's just make it cheap. Where's cheap labor? Taiwan. Right, okay, right. great. Now they've specialized. If you wanted a high quality frame made in the U.S., it probably wouldn't be as good as what you could get from Taiwan, and it would be more expensive. Right. So you know that attitude of you know it doesn't matter. It has long term effects. Right. And, right. And because innovation will then have happen overseas or happen you yeah. know, elsewhere rather than in your backyard. And in a way, it's cool. You know, I mean, we've brought up Taiwan's frame building population quality of living so you know there's nothing wrong with that nothing bad about it by any means but it's uh you know it's something to be considered yeah you know where do you want your dollars going and i don't think shareholders in brazil is probably where you want it going or maybe it is i want them to be comfortable (laughs) and they're comfortable living in and and be able to differentiate between their two yachts (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you got to have a backup. You know, if yeah. one yacht has to go in the yeah. shop, yeah. Well, where, how do you sail without how it? How do you sail? Uh, so, uh, anything else on that? No? Good. no? We're good. Okay, good. So, beer tech. We've got a few minutes. I just wanted to... Uh, I was trying to do a little bit of research, and there really isn't 
a lot of discussion around beer technology, the equipment that's being used or quality or assurance or different types of way to kind of measure um, the various process along the beer, uh, the beer world, and how what tools are out there. I know nothing about them, which is why I'm counting on you two to kind of talk about it a little bit and see if there's anything new or what we use, or is there something we want to highlight about what what Iron Horse does um, to help get the quality that we were t- talking about. That's important for craft. I mean, it's kind of an obvious one, but. As far as what we use, I would point to the brew house just being brand like just how impressive that technology is. And that does allot us the ability to be consistent in the product we make. You know, you're not running over to a vessel and, oh, the temperature is a little too low. Better turn it up or vice versa and things like that. And trying to constantly adjust, you're able to uh, maintain parameters in a way that uh, allots us a lot of consistency that uh, not every brewery is sure. able to see in their products. And so. that's Browcon who can sponsor us for $25,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, the, the the fluctuations on the old brew house, I can attest, were wild because everything was manual. You know, you, you had timers and you had temps and you were trying to hit things, but, you know, a human can't process the amount of data that a computer does, which is a whole other conversation, but... Uh, yeah, so now that thing's, it's on the job. It's on every job at all moments in time, you know, constantly monitoring. Um, yeah, I think I kind of lost track of the technology uptake somewhere around the centrifuge. Um, and before that, ATP bioluminescence was my the coolest thing I'd ever heard of. Um, what does that do? Uh, what is it? Adenotriphosphate is a, is a component in DNA. And when you shine a UV light on it or something to that effect, it's... It's like essentially the same thing that happens with a firefly. It glows hmm. and it it alerts you to the presence of living organisms. So when we put when we have our beer going into a tank, we want no living organisms in that tank because we want just our yeast to be living in there. But I think since then we've gone what's the the other thing? The we we always order the hygiene things. What are those? It's, Good, good, excellent. We know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have in the lab. We have a PCR machine. That's what it is. The PCR okay. machine. Like I don't even polymerase. I'm gonna mess it up if I try to say it right now. Good, do it. But, uh, peach, peach cream and raspberry. Basically, <laughs> it is a machine we put samples of our beers into, and it helps us analyze if there's any bacteria or things like that. And this is. Whereas the ATP thing was on the front end after we've made the wort and we're transferring into fermentation tanks, this is more uh, back end on uh, like fermented beer where we can check that it's not infected and things like that so that when we're packaging and sending our beer out to the marketplace, we're not sending out beer that's going to go bad in two weeks or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it sounds like quality, like quality. Um, and checking quality checkpoints along the way that really are quite essential for the beer making process. That polymerase chain reaction. That kind of makes sense. I just, you know. Google. Yeah. What's a PCR urine test? No, that's not what we use. <laughs> yeah, <That's>, no. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we do. Maybe some of our packaging guys are like, oh, shoot, I got to go see the the PO tomorrow and <laughs> right. to urinate into the PCR machine and 
see if they the the weed free <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is i don't know we are in washington after all the uh um one of the things I see on Slack, which, I, you know, things we don't think about, but are so useful, like when the slurry tank gets full, there's a little alarms that, that trigger, you know, an auto response into our communication channel. So yeah. that we know, it's like, oh, we better go empty that shit right now. Yeah. You know? So it's, I think all, all in all, I mean, tech is, tech is around us. And it's cool to see. I just, I wanted to ask the question. The centrifuge was always, was always a fun talking point. This is that thing that <laughs> the spins. Gravity accelerator and time yeah. machine. Yeah. 6,500 RPMs, is that right? And I think it's about right. 67, maybe? 68. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think that tech is not, and it's not cool for the sake of tech, but I think mm. it's cool in the ability that it gives us to free our minds to do things that are uniquely human. You know, right. watching it tank to make sure it doesn't overflow. Uh, you know, a monkey could do that. Right. Maybe even less conscious animal mm. could do it. Um, you know, so it allows us to spend more time with creativity and process improvement and you right. know, contemplating how we can be a better organization instead of watching tanks to make sure they don't get too full. Right. Yeah, but, you know, that's also a great job to catch up on your Netflix shows, too. Yeah, right. You can just... Well, and we're almost into fantasy football season, so I have <laughs> right. a feeling we're going to have some automated stuff break down. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. Unquote, oh, I, I heard the alarm, I, I just, <laughs> but I was right in the middle of doing the changeover. So. Yeah. Or this thing's broken. Now I have to watch it. It happens to be out of the view of anyone else. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about on this this episode of Life Behind Beer? Um, you know, I really wish we had more feedback from listeners. If, yeah, if it's true. Because you have no idea, you know. Like if, if 80% of people got back and like, Greg is obnoxious, please make him go away. I, right. I, I need to know that. I'll go away. Right. This isn't about me. We need. We do need to know that. So, uh, email podcast at ironhorsebrewery.com. <laughs> Send a review. Uh, write a review. Give us a five star review. Or, as Greg pointed out last week, abstain if it's going to be a zero star review. Yeah, that's when you email. Yeah, that's when you email. Greg. Yeah. Um, but until then, I guess we'll just uh, get back to it. I got to go to the fair. I'm going to do some riding on the rodeo. Good news, Jared has kids, so that's yep. normal. Yeah, that's a normal thing to put on the podcast. Wes, anything you want to talk about before we go? Anything you want to share? Mm. No. Look for in-law IPA. Yeah. Sell soon. Good. Drink it. Try it out. Let us know what you think about it. Yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, until then, that uh, I'm going to try out a new tagline or an ending tagline, guys. That's uh, oh, no. Toodles. Toodles. <laughs> Toodles. Uh, that's a little bit of life behind beer. Thanks for sharing. No? Bad? Okay. All right, bye. <laughs>